Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. It is April 17th, 2023. It is Monday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by the magic of trees. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is, the, sh- the chief beauty about time is that you cannot waste it in advance. The next year, the next day, the next hour are lying ready for you, as perfect, as unspoiled, as if you had never wasted or misapplied a single moment in all of your life. You can turn over a new leaf every hour if you choose. By Arnold Bennett We are drinking Sip of Spells Freezer Spell, which is a lemon green sweet, not sweet tea, like not sweet tea, (laughs) sweet type tea. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So this tea uh, is perfect for the light half of the year. Wonderful for spring. It is a green tea with apple pieces, orange, lemon, vanilla, creme, marigold. Um, It is really wonderful. It's one of the teas you can use in spell work. Um, It is very lemony and sweet and uh, very uplifting. So if that's something you're looking for, check it out. Last week we talked about oranges, but today or this week we're talking about the hero of this tea. The main character, it is Lemon. This comes to us from cynictear.it. So the lemon golden fruit. So the lemon is a fruit tree within the citrus genus. Although some genetic studies indicate that the lemon is an ancient hybrid, probably between a bitter orange and citron, for centuries it has been an um, autonomous species propagated by grafting or budding. So while the exact origin of this extraordinary fruit is lost in the mists of time, it's unquestionably originated in Asia and has been grown in China for thousands of years. So the name lemon is believed to come from the Persian lemu, an all-encompassing term for just citrus fruit, and no doubt the early references to it in Greek and Roman mythology stem from Persian lore. So the lemon fruit appeared in literature in 10th century Arabic documents referring to the tree being used for ornamental purposes. It was subsequently introduced into Sicily after the 10th century and later to Genoa um, in the mid-15th century during the flourishing seaborne trade of the heyday. So, um, super cool. 
Now, today, the lemon is grown all over the world in regions whose mild climate suits the evergreen. I've been trying to grow a, like a little lemon tree for like um, a year and a half now. It has not grown a single inch, but I do not claim to have a green thumb. So here we are. So despite its similarity to the lemon, the citron is a species in its own right. And indeed, one of the four original species in which today's various hybrids originated. So a peculiar variety of citron known by its Middle Eastern name, Ethrog, and used in Palestine for the Feast of Tabernacles is, is great, is a, like a giant. It's a giant compared to other varieties. And a single fruit can weigh several kilos, and all of it flesh rind is sweeter and juicier. Then we have the bergamot orange, which we talk about all the time in tea. That is what makes um, uh, gray Earl Grey so good, is the bergamot. So one legend has it that the bergamot originated in the Canary Isle, um, Isles from where Columbus brought it to Europe. Other sources claim its birthright in China, Greece, or the Spanish city of Berga. According to Greek and Roman mythology, citrus fruits were the dowry of Hera, uh, the bride of Zeus, who kept them jealously hidden away in a blissful garden situated at the western end of the earth. Where the sun dies every day, and where and uh, that's uh, where the Hesperides, which I tried to say the other day, I don't know how to say this word. It's clearly like a mythological word, and I do not know how to say it. But we talked about it yesterday, where we talked about the golden apples, and we talked about how it's believed to be oranges. Um, they also believe that's where these lemons were kind of like hidden by Hera. Super cool. Yeah, so it's super cool. There's a lot of great mythology when it comes to foods and fruits, so it's always super fun kind of digging into it. Okay, moving into some headlines. This comes to us from Psy.org. Supernatural beliefs have featured in every society throughout history, and new research helps explain why. So I love when we see science. So, religion is a human universal. For thousands of years, humans have held religious beliefs and participated in religious rituals. Throughout history, every human society has featured some kind of supernatural or religious belief. So, why is religion so prevalent? One reason is that it's a powerful tool for explanation. In the world of a mysterious place, and was even more mysterious before the rise of modern science, Religion can be a way of making sense of the mystery. The idea dates back to the uh, theologians and philosophers such as Henry Durham, uh, Frederick Nietzsche, who both supported the gods of the gaps hypothesis, wherein divine intervention by God is used to explain gaps in scientific knowledge. I was actually telling someone recently that like when I was in like, first grade or second grade, like that is how a teacher explained what religion was to us. And I was from a very small town in the South and was just really impressed that like a teacher was like, yeah, this is how we create religion. Like something happens, people don't know why, they make up why. And I was like, oh, and that always stuck with me and it always made sense. And I'm just really impressed that like uh, I got that explanation for the environment I was in. 
So, for example, ancient Chinese and Korean societies looked to divine intervention to justify changing their rulers, whereas Egyptians, Aztecs, Celtic, and Teve people used the will of the gods to explain celestial cycles. In the contemporary world, many U.S. Christians viewed the COVID pandemic as a form of divine punishment. Yet, despite these specific examples, we know little about what kinds of phenomena people try to explain using religion. So if religion helps us fill in gaps in knowledge, what kind of gaps is it most likely to fill? Like, that's where they're looking. Like, that's the research. So one uh, international research team has pursued this question over the past five years by surveying uh, ethnographies from societies around the world and throughout history. And we found societies are overwhelmingly more likely to have supernatural beliefs that concern natural phenomena rather than social phenomena, Our, uh, the, uh, which honestly, that, that makes so much sense, right? Because it makes sense people would use religion to explain natural phenomena versus relig- or social phenomena, because when people do something bad, we kind of shove it away as, well, people are uncontrollable. They're animals, right? Um, But when there's a tornado or something that's truly out of our hands, and like we build beliefs around social phenomena, right? We we build beliefs of, well, this is, well, that happened because you did X, Y, and Z. Mm." You know, like no one's going, well, why is God letting people be R-A-P-E-D? You know what I mean? Uh, Because people blame humans for that. So it makes sense religion wouldn't be built around social phenomena because we blame people. We blame um, man, the uncontrollable animal, right? But we can't really do that with natural phenomena, can we? Because there's no one to conveniently point a finger to. So when there's a tsunami that kills half a million people or um, rain won't come to water your crops to feed your family, uh, that is so dire and so uncon and so out of hands of man it kind of makes sense that we would build up religion around it so i think that's really interesting so in total the research sample included historical records from 114 diverse societies um do you guys care about like the study parameters um, I'm going to go with no. Actually, I'm going to read, let's, I'm going to read little tidbits. So it's, they say nearly all societies we surveyed had supernatural expl- explanations for natural phenomena, such as disease, 96%, natural disaster, 92%, drought, 90%. Um, fewer had supernatural explanations for warfare, only 60%, murder, 82%, and theft, 26%. So the global prevalence of naturally focused supernatural explanations is one of the most striking findings from the research. It's partially surprising because current major religions such as Christianity and Islam are very social institutions. So contemporary Christians rely on their religious beliefs as more of a social and moral compass rather than a way to understand the weather. Similarly, the Bible seeks to explain a variety of social phenomena, the story of Cain and Abel. Uh, the book of Joshua and, uh, yeah, wars. So it's interesting. 
They said they found societies develop more supernatural explanations for social phenomena as they get bigger and more complex. Interesting. I mean, it makes sense, I think. All right, witches, I'm going to throw this over to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Monday, April 17th. The waning crescent moon continues to swim the wide ocean of Pisces today. Here, the moon conjuncts Neptune. The conjunction to Neptune is the only significant aspect of the day. With the moon bereft of any other contacts, it can fully embrace the mysteries of the unknown, the things we cannot see but know exist. Today is for conversing with the Fae, communing with the ancestors, blurring the line between the real and the surreal. It's a great aspect for creative endeavors, writing, composing, drawing, painting. Allow yourself to sink into the fantastical today because it'll be hard to tell the difference between the real and unreal with these vibes. Your daily moon mantra is, one of the hardest things to do is to let go of what you thought was real. This has been your Daily Moon Mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. The Magic of Trees is not just a book on tree magic. It is about drawing on the strength of forests and tree energy to better connect with ourselves, other people, and the world around us. Each chapter reinforces meditations, spells, and rituals that will reconnect humanity with its roots at every stage of life. These practices take a hands-on approach to life and spiritual work. They lead to individual self-awareness and fulfillment through healthy natural practices. Plus, this text has the added benefit of fine-tuning spiritual tree connections, which never stop growing. Find the magic of trees wherever books are sold. All right, we are back. So we are moving from Mercury retrograde into Taurus. So Mercury retrograde, no. And it's March 21st through May 14th. So as, um, where did we snag this from? I'll find the website. So as Taurus is a fixed earth sign known for stubbornness and loyalty, this retrograde will test your most routine connections and obligations to see if they are truly meant for you. Your old belief systems will be resurfacing, uh, resurfacing and getting tested during this time. Being willing to let go of beliefs, thought patterns, and habits that no longer fit this chapter of your life. You will feel the most safe when you master how to show up for each chapter of your life rather than treating them all the same in fear of making changes. You will want to be aware of what you say, write, and sign during this time period, especially with those closest to you. And with fixed signs being essentially immovable, this message with this retrograde is to go with the flow of life. Expect the unexpected and shed compassion on yourself and others for missteps and mistakes. All right, going into our question of the day. This comes to us from listener Nicole Lilly. Nicole says she wants to know more about spring cleaning and preparation for spring. So, yes, I love it. So there's definitely a few things we can do for spring cleaning. I'm going to go through some kind of mundane ones and then some witchy ones. 
So we're not just wiping down counters and uh, tidying up, right? We are like digging into closets and a baseboard. We're deep cleaning. So first off, to prepare, you first need to get rid of clutter, okay? So you cannot deep clean when there's stuff lying around, right? So get rid of uh, clutter, number one. Number two, prepare your equipment. So are you going to use a rug cleaner on uh, your rug? Are you going to make your own floor wash? Are you going to create your own essential oil vinegar um, all-purpose spray? So prep anything, wash your mop heads, buy new ones if you're out. Um, whatever you use, make sure you have all your tools ready. This will just make it easier so you don't find yourself having to stop halfway through to like go get what you need and worse, run to the store. Ugh. Next, have a plan. Setting a goal before starting to clean is really helpful for deciding how extensive you're going to be. Like, you don't want to be like, okay, I have a whole day to do this, and then you spend the whole day cleaning out one closet, right? So just kind of um, be thoughtful and realistic about what you what your big goals are, what's really important to you, and how you're going to tackle it. Uh, four, if you're part of a really big family, put everyone to work and like have some fun with it. So, you know, people love making things a game. If you've been dying to listen to an audiobook, throw it on while you're cleaning and get everyone involved. Make everyone, uh, you know, do something. Little ones, uh, it's really easy for them to do things like dusting baseboards, right? Because you don't have to be perfect at it. It's low to the ground. Um, things like that. <clears throat> Number five, make a donation box. As you're going through things, you're going to find stuff that like you don't need anymore, but that doesn't deserve the trash, right? So make a donation box. There's a lot of Facebook groups. Buy nothing. Post your stuff on there. Um, it will probably be really meaningful to people who need it. Let's see. Next, um, we're going to focus on the kitchen, right? So when working on the kitchen, number one, you want to clean the cabinets. So Those often go overlooked. I absolutely hate when I find a little smudgy fingerprint on my cabinet because I'm like, Ugh, how long has that been there? Because it's just something so overlooked. So don't forget to clean your uh, cabinets. Then don't forget the sink and faucet. Again, very overlooked. Another one we all hate, but clean your dishwasher. I I, I had to learn this lesson recently. Go in there with the wipe and wipe down like where the door closes. That little area, food gets trapped in there. It has no way of getting cleaned out. Wipe it down, clean out the filter, throw in one of those dishwasher cleaner pods uh, and give it a run. If you have a garbage disposal, give it some attention. There's plenty of uh, things on like TikTok and stuff that helps you deodorize and clean your garbage disposal. Next Clean your oven. Um, you can use a steam. So put a baking uh, cacotte or um, coquette or whatever in there with some water and heat it up. It'll steam it out and make it easier to clean. Do not use the self-cleaning feature on your oven. I have heard millions and millions and millions of people say that that will absolutely destroy your appliance, possibly cause a fire. It's not a safe option. It's on there to sell it. Don't do it. Um, and don't forget your microwave. Again, very easy thing to overlook. Next, clean the inside and outside of your fridge or freezer. I'm really lucky. My fridge has like those little plastic side things that pop out. Every like once a month, I'll just pop them out real quick and throw them in the dishwasher. Super easy way to just kind of clean your fridge and make it uh, fresh.
if you have any be- like beverage appliances or really any appliances, if you have a Keurig, clean it. Oh gosh, have you ever ran just regular water through a Ke- through a Keurig? Oof, right? Clean out uh, your appliances. If you have a Ninja Creamy, uh, give it a good scrub down. If you have a Instant Pot, uh, give it a good detailed clean. So just take an you know take an opportunity to clean your appliances. Um, let's see, polish any, uh, stainless steel things in your kitchen. So fridge, dishwasher, sink, etc. Now bathroom. Okay. Bathroom. Number one, you got to go ham on that toilet. Like every nook and cranny, give it a clean. It sucks, but you gotta. Um, also good opportunity to replace any toilet tools such as scrub or plungers, anything that's maybe old and needs to, um, be refreshed. A uh, good opportunity to unclog the shower head. Same with uh, the little knobby on your uh, bathroom sink. There's a little knob like at, like on the faucet. If you unscrew it, there's a lot of dirt in there. And same with your shower head. So it's a good opportunity to like give that a little clean. If you have any mold, good time to get rid of that. Uh, you want to use vinegar to remove soap scum. If you have a uh, bathroom fan, clean that air filter. Now, next we're on bedrooms. First off, the closet. You got to clean the closet first and foremost uh, because how you're going to organize everything is going to highly depend on what's going on in the closet, right? So do that number. So do, like do that first. Wash pillows and bedding that maybe aren't washed frequently. Uh, clean the mattress, a little baking soda, wait, and then vacuum it. Easy peas. Um, move furniture and clean underneath it. Like, oh, there's definitely the things where our vacuums just don't reach. Move them, clean them. Again, it's worth it. Clean windows if you haven't in a while. Clean your window treatments. Maybe give them a little steam if you have the opportunity. Check your smoke detectors and your CO detectors. Good Again, just a good chance. This is what spring cleaning's for. Um, give your furniture a good cleaning. Again, you can use those really portable rug cleaners. Uh, it's time to get rid of spider webs, smudges on the walls. They, they even have wall wipes now, so it's super easy. You can sanitize things that maybe aren't frequently um, washed or cleaned. Ooh, ceiling fans. Ugh, I know that. That one's the worst. Clean the ceiling fans and the light fixtures. Let's see. What else do we have? Okay. Uh, Clean uh, filters, AC filters, HVAC filters. Clean your electronics. Do your floors. What else? This website is giving me a hard time. I think we're done. I'm going to call it on this website. Um, But now let's go through some of your witchy things you can do. So first off, um, in terms of witchy world, and of course you can implement witchy stuff into all of these. Like we said, you can make your own floor washes and your own cleaners. Um, But here's some other things you can do. Clean out your witch's cabinet. Like throw out that stale tea, reorganize it, dig out the tea that fell in the back and like, 
maybe brew some overnight cold brew and milk, you know. Uh, it's a good opportunity to write down spells and maybe spreads you've learned recently. Did you learn of a new spell? You wrote it down on a piece of paper, threw it in your bag? Take it out. Put it in your uh, in, in your grimoire. Uh, put it somewhere that you'll remember. Go through your shelves and donate your witch books. Um, I constantly see uh, witches on like on Instagram and TikTok like show off their witch libraries. And yes, it's impressive. And yes, it's cool. But I also have that feeling of like, you're not reading all those books. Like, how about you donate them or give them away, right? So go through your uh, witch shelves and donate books that you're not using. Uh, let's see. I also asked some of my friends what witchy stuff they like to do. And here is what they said. Andy, she used to own a shop here. I don't know if she still does. But she says, lemon pine salt in the mop bucket. I always use it to clear out stale energy and bring in good juju. Clean the windows once pollen season is over. Sometimes I'll put a cap full or two of Florida water in the window clear cleaning spray. Cleansing with white copal incense and lemongrass essential oil for brightening up the environment. Deep clean the fridge and freezer. Yuck. Same. I need to do that. Try to stay on top of things since we live in a tropical place, New Orleans. The pollening season is horrible down here and it gets into everything. We have cats and wooden floors. So if you don't keep that managed, you'll get woofies all over the place. Most of the spring cleaning type activity is outside. Power wash the sidewalk, driveway, concrete. Ooh, good. Ooh, it's a good opportunity to like decide what you're going to do with like your garden pots this year. Clean out catch basins. <clears throat> yeah. Manda says she loves going room to room to reorganize and repositioning things. Nicole says room spray with citrus and lavender. And Felicia says reorganizing and lavender everywhere. I, I open the windows and cleanse with uh, cleansing herbs. Yes, I love. Thank you, everybody. All right, which as we are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show, I want to give a shout out to listener Victoria. Victoria, you scrumptious, scintillating banshee. Nikki O'Hare, Nikki, you badass, wise windigo. Catherine Lochran, Catherine Lochran, you bedazzled, glittery tiger cub. And Megan Wong, Megan, you dapper, splendid vampire. Thank you for so much being Patreon supporters. I really, really appreciate it. And before we leave, we do have a card pull today. Our card is the Four of Chalices from the Buffy the Vampire Tarot deck. Does it seem like every single night is the same arrangement where you go out and fight the fight? Have you been going through the motions, walking through the parts? If nothing seems to penetrate your heart, the Four of Chalices encourages you to do a hard reset and reconnect with your life's purpose. What do you find meaning in? How do you get back to it? Oh, I love all right, witches, that's all I've got for you today. Um, I think I have some housekeeping. Yes, if you are in the Patreon, I posted the book club event uh, events for May uh, this weekend. So go check them out. See, put, you know, put them in your calendar. See what you want to do. And that's it. Uh, don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources. Anything we reference today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we will talk again tomorrow. Witches, 
We hope you have a wonderful day, full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day. I had an abortion when I was 15 years old in my home state of Arizona in 1994. It was not a decision that I made lightly, but I have never for one moment doubted that it was the right decision for me. But so much has changed in Arizona and many other states since then. If I were that same 15-year-old in Arizona today legally, I would have to get parental consent. I would be forced to undergo a medically unnecessary ultrasound, go to a state-mandated in-person counseling session designed solely to shame me into changing my mind, and then take a state-mandated 24-hour time out to make sure I really know what I wanted. And finally, I would be forced to give the state a reason why. Well, here is mine. It is my body, not the state's. Women and their doctors are the ones that are in the best position to make informed decisions about what is best for them no one else. No bill that criminalizes abortion will stop anyone from making this incredibly painful decision. These bans will not stop abortion from happening, but they will drive women and girls and people into the shadows, which is what this has always been about, shaming and controlling women's bodies. In the week after I shared my story on my show, women were coming up to me in the street, in the supermarket, at my gym, with tears in their eyes, thanking me for my bravery. But the word brave didn't sit right with me. Why is it brave to speak to an experience that millions of people around the world throughout history have gone through? And then I realized it is considered brave because as women, we have been taught to feel shame about our bodies since birth. I am so sad that we have to sit here in front of a row of politicians and give deeply personal statements because the why doesn't matter, it should not matter. I am a human being that deserves autonomy in this country that calls itself free, and choices that a human being makes about their own bodies should not be legislated by strangers who can't possibly know or understand each individual circumstances or beliefs. I'm here today to help destigmatize a legitimate medical procedure and continue to encourage women not to allow themselves to be shamed for their choices. And finally, I am here today for my two little girls, Birdie and Cricket. My dream for them is that they will live in a world in which women are truly equal with complete control over their own reproductive health. That is the dream I hold for all people, regardless of their privilege or parents or what state they live in. That dream is slipping further and further from reality with every ban passed. I hope that you, our elected leaders, can help us reverse the tide. Thank you. I look forward to today's discussion.